This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. The con artist is at it again. Oh, man. There he goes. Mama, there go that man. I've seen, okay, Mark Jackson, I've seen (laughs) people kind of just being like, well, what's the deal with this trade? What is the deal with this trade? What is the deal (laughs) with Kevin Hodson going to Los Angeles? All right, that's two impressions in like under a minute. We're done with impressions for a little bit on the show today. But, you know, they're saying, oh, you didn't really gain any capital. You just swapped some picks and you gave him Kevin Dotson. I actually think this is a pretty overwhelming positive Absolutely. when you think about that you moved up one round in 2024. Like two rounds twice. You moved up one round from a fifth to a fourth right. in 2024. So that's one round. And then right, from right. a f- sixth, sixth to, to a, a fifth, fifth in 2025. So you moved up one round two times. In both of those next right. draft classes, the next years and the following, you're picking from a deeper pool of talent. And how could you not view that as an overwhelming win? Mm-hmm. Fourth round picks are more valuable than fifths, and fifths For are more sure. valuable than sixths. So despite the fact that you didn't actually gain any picks in your pocket, I still think you gained some pretty decent draft capital right. for this guy. And what else were you going to get for him? For Kevin Dotson, yeah, yeah, who is a former first fourth round pick himself. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get a first round pick. He wasn't. This is a guy who Tom, you and I, we had high hopes for him. Right, going into his second year, we did our. We had our a really typical, good rookie year. Yeah, we had our we did our typical thing of saying, you know, who's going to take this big step in in this year, and and where were they last year compared to the end of this year? And we thought that Kevin Dotson, after his impressive rookie year, could be a potential Pro Bowler. Never got to that level. So, yeah, I think swapping picks in later rounds but moving up, like we mentioned twice, is is a pretty good return for a guy who never really panned out here. Yeah, the Kevin Dotson thing never really gained traction after that rookie season. He played 13 games as a rookie, four of them as a starter, as he kind of started to earn that role. And if you remember, he had to start at the beginning of the season right. because of David DeCastro's injury and looked pretty well there mm-hmm. as well while DeCastro was kind of in the decline, which would end up, of course, becoming his last season as sure. a professional in the NFL. Has he ever officially retired yet, by the way? Like, I, I don't still think don't so. know if that's a thing I guess or not. he's still eligible He's to gone, play. though. He ain't yeah, playing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, he's been out of the league now for, what, two years? So you kind of thought to yourself, okay, that was a little bit of a blind side with the Castro's step back and play, first of all, and then also the surprise retirement. But I also think then you've kind of felt comfortable with Kevin Dotson being a guy that could step in and kind of carry that torch on for another five, six, seven years. Only plays in nine games, starting them all the following season, his second year. Injuries were a problem, and if you remember, there was some questions in the offseason heading into that second mm-hmm. season about his you know, playing shape mm-hmm. and if he really you know, committed himself in the offseason to getting into the best shape possible once right. training camp started. Ended up getting injured, which might you know support those theories, but he did play every single game for the Steelers last year. Um, starting all 17. So, I mean, so did so all the other offensive, offensive linemen, really. right. So that's 30 starts in your career. So that's definitely a track record that's worthy of a trade if you can make it and not someone that you just kind of cut and let somebody else pick up your scraps. Mm-hmm. So it's very nice to see that you got at least a little bit of something from this Kevin Dotson ordeal. It wasn't all for naught, but yeah, I don't know how you can describe it other than disappointing, especially after the tone he set after that rookie season seemed so bright, kind of like you were alluding to, and then just just never really gaining traction, and Steelers uh, really searching for a replacement ever since. Yeah, 2021, or, or excuse me, 2022, it was Kendrick Green who was in the position battle with Kevin Dotson. 
it wasn't like Dotson came into camp in 2022 anointed as that starter at the guard spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, he held off Kendrick Green. Right. Maybe, you know, not as hard <laughs> as some people no. out there think it would be. But he did it, earned the start, and I think the best thing you could say about him was that he was healthy. He was penalized an awful lot last right. year, like 11 times I think it was, one of the most in the league. And maybe it's just a matter of he needs a fresh start and the Steelers need a fresh start. And I think the other big thing, too, is there was no position versatility with Kevin Dotson. Right, he it, just had to play that guard he's position. He's just a guard. Yeah. If he wasn't going to start at left guard, then he wasn't going to be able to play center. No. You were going to question if he would have gone over to the right side even and to play that right. guard spot, and he could not play any Good of the point. tackle spots. So you got guys like Spencer Anderson, who I know he's a rookie, but he played everywhere at Maryland. He can play mm-hmm. center. He can play guard. He can play tackle if you need to. That versatility is going to do him wonders as far as making this roster. Nate Herbig. Sure. Uh, you hold your breath a little bit with the injury, but I think the fact that the Steelers moved on from Kevin Dotson is a sign that they're pretty confident in Herbig being healthy for the season because that's your guard, that's your center backup, I think, if all things go well. And Kendrick Green has a little bit of a pulse now. We'll, we'll get well, to that yeah. in a second. Yeah, but, for sure. You know, with Kevin Dotson— um, I mean, you talk about versatility. The guy was playing fullback. You're right. There you go. But Dotson just kind of being stuck at that one spot if you ain't going to be the starter— there's just not really a reason to keep you on the roster on the offensive line. And Siamalu is far and away going to be the starter. So yes, get him a new chance in L.A. Rams need some offensive line help. Maybe he will have a, a possible, I wouldn't say start right away for them, being there late in the season, but have a chance to start some games for them down the stretch. It could be a mutual beneficial thing for both parties here. Yeah, I mean, who knows how Kevin Dawson will fare in L.A. I mean, a lot of people are saying right now, and before Dawson got there, that LA is kind of a team on the rebuild, obviously, from that Super Bowl. They never really, they kind of went all in on that season. So they've just been kind of, I guess, rebuilding or just kind of experiencing that fallout after putting all your chips in for one season. But, you know, all the best to him, all the, all the best luck to him in, in LA. I don't think there's a lot of competition on that offensive line for him. So I assume he can find a starting spot or even a backup spot there comfortably. Uh, but you talk about the return, Tom. I mean, I think the Steelers are going to be upset because they thought they found a diamond in the rough in Kevin Dotson. You know, a fourth, a later fourth-round draft pick who, like you said, started or played in 13 games his rookie season and started a couple of games, showed a lot of promise. They thought, here, this is what you like. This is what you love about the NFL draft is when you strike gold in the later rounds, and it's unexpected. And... It was a short uh, time spent with the Steelers Kevin Dodson had, but for that time, I mean, I think they got I, basically all you could have gotten out of him. Like you said, he he played every game last year. He was pretty consistent in the health department. He missed a couple of games two seasons ago, but for the most part was pretty much always available to the Steelers. So, again, for a fourth-round draft pick, not the worst situation to get to move up two times in the draft for a return for that guy, but obviously when he finished his rookie year, you thought, okay, this could be a guy that you just plug in at right guard for the next however, or I'm sorry, at left guard for the next however many years, right? And you're good, right? So it's upsetting to know that what could have been for him, so in that case, yes, it's slightly disappointing, but at the end of the day, he's a fourth-round draft pick. I think the return that Omar Khan and his and, and his group of people got for Kevin Dotson is is at the end of the day, you're going to look back at it and saying it's a good deal. I, I agree it's a good deal, and you know I think that's kind of just a product, too. 
of you were saying the Steelers kind of hope they found a diamond in the rough with Kevin Dotson, but they didn't. And there has been so much talk before we even saw training camp or preseason games of the improvements that have been made on the offensive line, just based on track records uh, of a guy like Ciamalo and going out and drafting Broderick Jones, trading up 14th overall to pick that guy, um, supposed to be your anchor, your stud at that spot. You know, there was speculation then that the line was going to be better. Then you saw it translate in front of your eyes at training camp. Dan Moore showed some vast improvements from mini camp to training camp to the preseason games. And in the preseason games, yes, against Tampa Bay and against Atlanta, against some JV. Sure. But they were moving people around. They looked right. night and day compared to what the offensive line had looked like since the days of Pouncey and DeCastro and Big Al went by the wayside and they weren't, you know, one of those fringe elite units anymore. The product of them turning that corner and getting back to that line being top half of the league as opposed to bottom half of the league is shedding some of that weight from those years where you were in the bottom half of the league. And that's what Kevin Dotson is. And, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. So later on today, when the final cuts are made, mm-hmm. we'll not be surprised if Kendrick Green's cut. Won't be surprised if he's still on the team either because of the Dotson move right. and the versatility that he shows, not just at the fullback spot, but playing guard, playing center. Mm-hmm. Although it's questionable if he can't actually play center, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, think you can actually question that. I mean, for those who have been actually paying attention to the Steelers this preseason, not just watching the flashy plays by the first team offense, they stick around for the second half and see those guys like Kendra Green getting snaps on the O line. Yeah, he played the first two games at center very poorly. Yeah, and then in the when you, last when you, game against the Falcons, he played a decent guard though. When you paid attention, you've watched his taped his tape at playing at center you've seen the 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 overextended snaps to Mason Rudolph the the putting your quarterback in in danger kind of scenarios he's had in this preseason so I, that's kind of why I think a lot of people are picking Nick Herbig to get a, a roster spot comfortably over over Dotson. Just or, oh, yeah, I'm I sorry, mean, over Kendrick Green for the. Oh, I know, I know, we're taping this before, but I'll go out on the limb and say Herbig's on the. Team. No, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. that Herbig's in danger, but yeah, no, people are saying you know Kevin Dotson or jeez Kendrick, Kendrick Green. Green. Well, you kind of isn't, isn't, Green, guarant- isn't just guaranteed a roster spot. Green and Dotson, Dotson are kind of the gone. faces of the that era, right? Of poor offensive line play. Right. So I understand why you're kind of mixing those two up. We'll see if the Turk, <laughs> if the Turk comes calling for Kendrick. Green later on today. Um, I was just trying to say that with Nick Herbig there, it, it doesn't really. Nate, you got to get that right. Too. Oh my Nate, God, I am just Nick's all, on the defense. I am all the over ball. the place with my names today. Thank you for keeping me in check. But yeah, for Nate Herbig to be on the team, it, it kind of ru- it doesn't really do much do much of any good for Kendrick Green. And if he's trying to find a roster spot just as the backup center. And I'm excited about this. I'm excited about this shedding of weight. I'm excited about this, you know, offensive line, you know, kind of turning that corner. Because I know that back in the era of the Killer Bees, the sex appeal for the team was mm-hmm. Antonio Brown and Le'Veon sure. Bell and Ben Roethlisberger and the high-flying Todd Haley offense that averaged 30 points per game. And, you know, everybody on ESPN would say, oh, you know, the Steelers will always have a chance in the playoffs because that offense, how do you stop Antonio Brown? How do you stop Le'Veon Bell? Well, it turned out injuries were the reasons mm-hmm. why those teams were pretty much stopped for the most part in my mind. But up as a apart from those playmakers, which of course them and the Hall of Fame quarterback was so key, I just think the engine of that team was the offensive line play. Of course, it was the lifeblood and anchored by not just you know, the think, all not just like the Pro Bowlers and DeCastro and and and, and Marquise Pouncey, but all five guys. Ramon Foster, I mean, played a huge role. On they that were line. really really good offensive line yeah. for for 
that entire window of right success. that that and five or six year window. They would have been a good team if they had just an average offensive line with the weapons that they had and Ben Roethlisberger's abilities. But I mean, I, but I, I it think, just made them that much better. It I made think, them to the point where you know they win thirteen games that one. Right, year. they right. have Super Bowl contender you know status for a nice three mm-hmm. to four year window. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is credit to that offensive line. So I agree. As we see, you know, kind of the rebuild. And I know that's a dirty word around this part, sure. but the rebuild start to bear its fruit a little bit. And, you know, you had the skill position players of Le'Veon and Antonio Brown and Martavis Bryant, and that, that era's gone, and now we, we're all the way back on the other side of Deontay and George Pickens and Najee and Jalen, and Kenny Pickett looks like a dude. You're looking at the team skill position-wise and saying, we might be getting back to that point where we have dudes that mm-hmm. other teams fear, that guys that are talked – look at it right now. They're talked about on SportsCenter already – that's right. one of the better weaponry around the NFL. Young offensive weaponry. Young yeah. offensive weaponry, for sure. And if the offensive line comes along with that, Absolutely. which I think we're starting to see that happen as well, then you really got the formula to bake yourself a pretty tasty cake. And I'm not saying that in 2023 the Steelers are contenders. I've heard some people say that, like Greeny on mm-hmm. Sports Center or on Get Up has said, well, I think they might be dark horse contenders, not ready to be there yet. But it's not far off on the horizon, mm-hmm. and it could be as early as 2024 where you're looking at this team, not just us and not just people looking through it in black and gold glasses, but people around the league, not even just hot-taking. Like I'm talking the Peter Kings of the world right, saying right. this team's a legit contender for a Super Bowl. Yeah, something that needs to be pointed out, it's never forgotten, but just pointed out, is Le'Veon Bell deal when he got sent to the Jets or when he chose to go to the Jets, it didn't work out for him. And why is that, Tom? Because he didn't have that that franchise with that established offensive line like he had in Pittsburgh. I mean, I don't I, I I respect Le'Veon Bell's talent. I thought he was one of the most exciting players to watch. You and I said it's arguable as great as Antonio Brown was, Le'Veon Bell was even more fun to watch because of his unique running style, but it worked so well because he was running behind the guys like DeCasho and Pounce and, and Foster. And when you look at Najee Harris's rookie year, I mean, that might have been the worst offensive line. People have said the worst offensive line in the Steelers' recent history, right? And then 2022, it got slightly better. It, it, it got slightly better, but there weren't any big additions. And then here in 2023, you add Ciamalo. You draft Broderick Jones in the first round, something you haven't done since David DeCastro, what, way back in, what, 2011, 2012. So you finally give this offense a legitimate offensive line to work behind and maybe this is again I, I'm kind of with you this isn't a contentional year for the Steelers to be considered among Super Bowl contenders but maybe this is a breakout year for this offense maybe it is a breakout year for Najee Harris who has barely scraped to a thousand yards in a 17 game 17 game season twice in his career. Maybe he gets there by like week 13 or week 14. And, and maybe Kenny Pickett with the added protection, you know, he only passed for what, 2,400 yards? I'm not saying he's going to go for 5,000, but maybe he in, maybe he encroaches upon 4,000. And that allows Deontay Johnson and George Pickens to have bigger seasons. Pat Frymuth to have a bigger season. It, it's, it's, it's remarkable to think back to the 2008 season. When Ben Roethlisberger was playing behind that offensive line he had in Pittsburgh and won the Super Bowl that that same year, and 
you all remember his his speech from the podium. He gave them yeah. a shout out. But it's remarkable to think how that team was able to overcome an, a, a, a pretty bad offensive line. But you're never going to say no. I don't want this really good offensive line. You're going to take it whenever it's it's given to you. And I and I believe that sure they're they're going to take a leap. It may not be to the Super Bowl. You know, like a surprise team like the Bengals did a couple of years ago. But I think this offense has the potential behind this really good offensive line or much improved offensive line to 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 take a leap as a, as an offensive unit. And another factor, you were this kind of just popped into my head as you sure. were talking about Ben. You know, Kenny Pickett has shown unbelievable pocket presence. Five touchdowns. His in awareness five back there, yeah. but even beyond that, just his comfortability in the right. pocket, his ability to maneuver it, his ability to know when to step up, mm-hmm. his willingness to step up and not, you know, break out old a la Baker Mayfield like first right. read's not there, okay, automatically Gonna roll left. out to my right. Yeah. Like All roll right, out to right. my left. Like it's it's nice to see that from a young quarterback making his leap into year two, hoping that he makes that leap in year two, I should say. But that helps the offensive line make their job so much easier too. Like it's hard to block for Lamar Jackson. Sometimes yeah, right. You don't know where the hell you he is. You see how often he gets hurt because you, don't know you know, where he the is. offensive like, linemen don't know where he is, right? Yeah. These defenders but are just all eyes on him. Pickett's got a rhythm to him. Mm-hmm. And Ben, to an extent, had a little bit of that, you know, cowboy in him, sure. too, where he would break things down and he'd kind of be on his own, but he could handle that. He right. Was, I mean, he was one of the biggest dudes like in the a NFL. Yeah. Playing that position. So with Pickett, you know, just his ability to maneuver a pocket like a true pro in just his second year, or at least illustrating that he can do that in the preseason that we've seen so far and what everybody sees in practice, it's just going to make life so much easier for that offensive line. And, and they're going to work so well together to achieve the common goal of keeping number eight upright and keeping that jersey clean. Jacob, he didn't touch grass once during right. the preseason, not even hit. Right. So it was a phenomenal job. Yeah, I mean, phenomenal job by both the offensive line to give the protection. And it and wasn't then Kenny like he Pickett just was like, make... catch, dunk, catch, right. dunk after the snap. He was holding on to the ball, stepping up and throwing downfield. Yeah. It was and very impressive that he didn't get dirty once. Right, equally impressive by the offensive line to create that kind of protection and then by Kenny Pickett to make the most out of it. Like you said, not just doing dink and dunk passes like you saw a lot out of Ben Roethlisberger in his last year of his career. Which, I mean, as we've... Talked about all episode, probably not on Ben, probably more on that state of yeah, the Yeah, of course. Line. I mean, you know, we'll mention this too. Like, he, he was on his podcast a couple of weeks ago <laughs> and, and kind of gave a little shady, uh, what, what would you little call that? A little shade at Kendra Green. Shade at Kendra Green yeah. saying, you know, this is a guy who they drafted to, to be, be my center. center. To be, he was like my to be, center. To be my, to be the the successor to my, my best teammate I've ever had, Marquise Pouncey. And now the guy's playing a fullback. Yeah. So this is the guy you wanted me to, to, to snap balls from, to get balls from? So, as we've said, it looks like they've turned that corner from that era mm-hmm. into this, and they have a good offensive line. And the thing that people were most interested in offensive line-wise all camp long was that left tackle position battle. Is it going to be Dan Moore? Is it going to be Broderick Jones, the 14th overall pick in the draft? And, you know, we're still about two weeks away little under two weeks away from the start of the season, but I think the writing's on the wall. Dan Moore's going to be rolling out there with the ones against the Niners, yeah. and he's got this job to start the season. And a lot of people would say, well, he hasn't done much to lose it, so why would you give it to Broderick Jones? I don't like that logic, but I also don't subscribe to it. I think Dan Moore Jr. has gone out there and won that job. He, he has looked better than Broderick Jones in the preseason games. And I'm not saying that I'm worried about Project Jones at all. 
or that he's even looked bad. If you had, to, if Dan Moore goes out there and pulls a Zach Banner, hope to God he does not, and you have to throw Jones out there within like the first five snaps of the game, I'm fine with it. I think he can do it. He's not going to sink in that sink or swim scenario. Sure. But you can't tell me that you've watched the preseason games, and I have, working on the radio side. Mm-hmm. I've seen it all the way through when Broderick Jones comes in and plays pretty much the entire game after Dan Moore and the ones check out. There's moments where you can tell that he is just not as polished as Dan Moore yeah. is. And do you really, really want that to be out there as a risk if you don't have to have it be that way mm-hmm. against Nick Bosa and against Miles Garrett and against Max, Max Crosby? Crosby? Right. No, I, I'm totally with you. I mean, so I think Dan Moore's going to get this job. You right? know, I think and it's, I think I agree with it. I, I I think it's kind of funny how we started this episode talking about Kevin Dotson, you know, being this fourth round draft pick who wasn't ne- wasn't needed to be anything special, and then really impressed in his rookie camp and really impressed in his rookie season. But now that after a couple of years, he didn't really fill out after that rookie impressive rookie season. People are looking at it as if it's a disappointment of a draft pick. And now here you are with Broderick Jones. And he's a first-round draft pick. The two was traded up to get him, and you're doing your best to kind of just say, let's protect him. It's okay that he's not going to be ready. It's just the circumstances of which an offensive lineman play, you know, you throw Dan Moore's name into that into that category of of, of weird scenarios for to get your start in, in the in the NFL. I mean, I don't think anyone predicted that Dan Moore would be starting as many games as he did in his rookie year uh, for the Steelers. But now here he is two years later, and – you and I are sitting here saying, yes, I, I would prefer Dan Moore to start the season because he has the starting experience over the first-round draft pick, uh, Broderick Jones, against guys like the Bosa and Miles Garrett and Max Crosby. These are formidable pass rushers, and you, you, you feel comfortable putting Dan Moore in there. So, Yes, I, I like the the idea of, of letting Dan Moore start the season and letting Broderick Jones kind of work through practice or work as a backup once you get into the regular season games. But I, I assume, Tom, you and I are still of the same opinion that you still want Broderick Jones starting at some point. Yeah, if he earns it. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, it's tough. Like it's if, tough. if Dan Moore's it, playing like an all-pro, why would you take him out? Right. And then it's just kind of like, well, why did you trade up to get— It's not that, why would you do that? You did it for the right reasons. You just, in hindsight, would look at yourself and say, oh, well, if I knew Dan Moore was going to be this good, maybe I wouldn't have traded up to get a guy like Roger. I think Jones. I still would have because I think it—honestly— I think the way that this road might end is Dan Moore being on that right side and Broderick replacing Chooks Accord yeah, for you yeah. on that left side. Maybe not this year. Maybe you know this year it's you, it's you pretty much Dan Chukes Moore and Dan Moore. all year yeah. long, health permitting, and you see Broderick Jones jump in there when one of them gets injured mm-hmm. on the left side. If Chooks sure. gets injured, yeah. Dan's going to bump over. Jones is a left tackle through right. and through. Um, but at the end of it, you know, it might just end up being that they like Dan Moore. He's younger than Chooks, slightly, but younger than Chooks. We'll put him over on that right side. He can play that right side, and we'll put in our our stud. The the mm-hmm. stud is going to play eventually. You, as long as he's not a bust, way too early to even consider that. That dude's talent's going to dictate that he has to play the majority of the snaps. Definitely. So, I don't know if it happens this year. I don't know if it's exactly an L for the Steelers if it doesn't happen this year. I think you kind of got to wait a couple years down the road before you can really say, ooh. Kind of swung and missed at that draft pick. Yeah, again, I wouldn't say I, I wasn't trying to say swung and no, missed. No, because just kind of like in hindsight, we, we'd rather just maybe use the pick elsewhere if if you're 
offensive line is is pretty short up, even without Broderick Jones in there. Yeah, but the, honestly, like I don't know where else you would have done it because the linebacking class was just so weak this year. Right, and you got your corner. Right, you got Porter your Jr. corner. I mean, so maybe you take a different corner on the board. But I think they kind of had a feeling that JPJ might be there at 32, or someone like him would be there at 32. Yeah, I think they. The I mean, here. they did the right thing because, like you said, they wanted to get the offensive. They saw the. Ta- they saw. They saw the offensive linemen start to go early on. Um, Paris Campbell went to the Cardinals, I believe. Yep, he was the was first one off them, the board. Yeah. Roger Jones and, was really the last elite one. Left. Yeah, right, 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 right. And this, he wasn't want to miss that opportunity and felt comfortable waiting to see if if both. Um, Joey Porter Jr. and the safety from Alabama branch uh, were both going to be there, and they were. So they had their choice of of which one, and luckily they they got to go with Joey Porter Jr. I think the guy that they were targeting from the beginning. But I agree with you, Tom. If if you know with playing this hindsight game, if they hadn't gone with Broderick Jones, knowing that Dan Moore and and Chus could have been fine at those positions, uh, but you go with Joey Porter Jr. with your original first round draft pick, and at thirty two. I mean, what what do you do there? I mean, like you said, the line because the linebacker unit is obviously the next area of need for that team at that point in time. But you didn't love the talent there. No, you didn't love the talent there. So I think I think at the end of the day, they they did the best they they could have done with the circumstances they were held they were dealt. Yeah, I mean, it's was considered a really great draft class at the moment. And right. There's no reason to say that it isn't still. We'll right. get to see a little bit more about them in just a couple of weeks here when the game start for real but one last thing on Dan Moore sure I don't know if he has rabbit ears or not you know I don't know if he hears the the talk mm-hmm. around town I'm sure it's almost impossible to avoid though with the current state of social media but you know that has to instill a little bit of professional pride in you to not only kind of hear yeah. the talk of oh you're the weakest link on the offensive line or get a replacement for that guy we need a new left tackle we need a new left tackle and then after all of that, seeing on draft night your team trade up to take that left tackle, it's right. kind of like, oh, like is everybody right? Um, you know, you can go. The, you, that's very much a fork in the road in a lot of players' careers, and you can either take the path of, well, maybe I am just a backup in this league, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that at all, and you know, I'll catch on, get my sever or get my pension, play for seven plus years in this league, and. Do well, spot starting, and being that backup mm-hmm. glue guy on an offensive line, maybe travel from team to team, be a bit of a journeyman. Or you could say, no, this dude's not going to take my job. Uh, he's <laughs> taking somebody else's job. Uh, I'm going to be a starter in the National Football <laughs> League. and We'll see for real right. come September 10th. But all signs point to that we have so far, Dan Moore taking the, for- the side of the fork in the road that's I'm going to start in this league because he looks great, looks like he's in better shape than he ever has been. Looks faster, stronger, and his play has followed suit as far as the preseason mm. games are and concerned. You, know, you 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 talk about his opponents in the first couple of weeks. We've seen him go up as a rookie against Miles Garrett. You know, he, yeah, it's kind of old hat now for him right. when he sees ninety five from the Browns line up against mm. him on Monday Night Football. Familiar foe, yeah. Home game too, right? Mount, that that's the other thing that helps them too. Again, they do face Bosa, Garrett, and Crosby, mm-hmm. but only one of those is on the road. And is it really on the road? Because right. you're playing in Vegas. Because you're playing in Vegas, right? So Good I mean, point. and yeah. you and you played against Max Crosby last year. Exactly. Hey, subscribe right now to the Mike Tomlin Game Day podcast. That's back, and it's really the best time you can hear from Mike Tomlin all year long when he sits down with Labs before a game. Uh, Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola talks to the head coach about the upcoming game. New episodes drop every game day, and they're available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get 
your podcast. When we come back, there's been a lot of hype around nationally regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers, but also some people saying maybe you want to pump the brakes. We'll address both of those and tell you what side of the fence we kind of land on next. You're listening to the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio.